Welcome to Ready Layer One, a crypto podcast that focuses on the near protocol ecosystem. What's going on, updates, NFTs, news, and how it connects to the rest of the crypto space. This episode, we talk about the long-awaited Mr. Brown NFT mint and how the NFT space overall is starting to feel. Then we have a pretty deep philosophical conversation on how we think and hope the NFT space can change the world. Lastly, we discuss the Aurora fee structure after they had a really booming week with the popularity of Moonflower Farmer. We hope you enjoy the show. Joe, how are you? Hey, I'm doing good, Jared. How are you? Doing well, man. It's been a good week. Uh, Mr. Brown finally minted, and I went all in on it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I picked up a few myself. Yeah, I, I minted the five I could. Then I've bought five others, secondary market. I've even started playing with the rarity yeah. and all that. But a question I have for you, do you think rarity matters? And then also, what am I supposed to do with these NFTs over the next year or two? Right, right. Yeah, no, I, th- I mean, that, that, that's that's the big question right now. It, it's, you know, to me, the, the answer, and while it's not a great answer, is like it depends. There's two schools of thought. One is simply just, obviously, you know, there's the flipping piece of it. And so the flipping piece of it is if I'm kind of trying to get in and out of the market and I'm trying to get liquid from it, sure, rarity is going to matter. That's going to attract the most attention. Uh, that's especially where Mr. Brown did 4,200. You know, sure, you want something that's going to be a little more rare. Longer term, if you're there for the utility and you're there for just that basic, you know, what I get as being part of the Mr. Brown crowd, you know, and I'm part of that, whether it's the Dow, whether it's airdrops, whether it's access to an event, then it doesn't matter, right? Like then it's just as long as you have one, you have one. The one caveat to all of this is what I've seen in a couple of white papers around NFT staking is possibly giving more value to those that are more rare. So even though all tokens are the same, possibly saying, okay, putting in some kind of system of if I lock up my, you know, number 90 out of 4,000 um, as part of the staking, I maybe get more return from that so we'll i don't know how that all works per se but that's an interesting component of that then too yeah and i think on near so near 10 is going to drop at the end of this month and i think that's going to be a really popular one and i kind of think the whole space is waiting for that drop to see what happens because there's a lot of nft drops happening and at least myself i'm starting to maybe not get fatigued but i'm like okay i've bought a bunch of these now what do i do with them (laughs) I mean, that that's across, I would say, both the entire ecosystem of NFTs, you know, all chains, right? I think there is some fatigue going on there. It was very hot January, December going into January, especially with prices going low. But the other side of that is where, you know, we're heavily on, you know, near, especially, you know, we've dabbled in Oasis. Those are two smaller chains relative to, you know, ethereum and or solana even right now from just you know size of people who you know amount of people who are actually involved in that and what yeah you're going to start to see some leveling off because there's only so many people to buy into so many projects Uh, the other side of it is that we've talked about it a little bit before but like roadmaps are so important you know and there's so many projects that are dropping without clear roadmaps Exactly. Right. Like, so 
with some of the NFTs. So Mr. Brown's seems to me going to the creative way. One that I had no clue would do what it did is Secret Skelly Society. And so you and I, we minted that. And I did it just because I was like, cool, let's do it. It's early. And now it's like, what, a 400 near floor. And I'm trying to understand their NFT seems like I bought a into a company or maybe not a company's the wrong word, but I bought into like a venture capitalist where they're going to create something that might drive revenue and I'll get residuals. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, they are a great example of combining to me, it's combining all of the different components of what you look for in an NFT. You know, uh, I think it's, you know, it's cool art. It's a cool profile picture. It's a skeleton guy, whatever. Cool. Um, but so the utility of it is really interesting because not only are you part of their DAO, their DAO is really focused on reinvesting back into the platform. They're, they're buying up, you know, uh, NFTs with that money. They are using it towards a platform they built to help launch other projects. And some of that return goes back into the DAO. And so that is all really interesting utility. And then they're going to have more stuff down the road, whether it's uh, more projects or whether it is, you know, events and things like that. And then what they did, which was super smart, is they cut supply. So they were originally going to mint, I think, like 3,000. They cut it that day of, they said, we're going to cut bait and they cut it down to 777. And then they've been deflating that number where they have, you know, uh, if you don't know the project, they have, you know, one of their characters is Grim and he goes and he takes away Skellies. So when Skellies go up for sale, it goes and it grabs ones off the floor, which again, and the floor is not cheap. The floor is, you know, three, 400 near and they're buying those back up. And they're burning them. And so now the total supply right now is like 750 something. That's interesting. It's like a stock buyback. Right, right. And so now your value. So that's where like rarity doesn't really matter because they're all rare. You know, like, like so there, I mean, yes, you have one of 750. And if you want in on this group and they're very vocal and they're popular, you know, they're popular in the community of near. And so if you are on the near platform, you know, having a Skelly is, you know, I don't say a big deal, but it's important in that NFT ecosystem because they are so involved and engaged. Agree. And the platform that you mentioned, they just launched Ugly Ape Society on that this week, a mint. And I didn't get a whitelist on it. And honestly, the apes, I don't know. I'm just like, there's so many apes. Yeah, so many apes. But I was like, I'll try it just in case it was a couple near. And I submitted at the second it went live and didn't get one. Yep. And so that one makes me happy that I'm seeing that like near is really starting to get more people and stuff like that, which is important. But two, I tweeted and I wrote to them like, hey, I didn't get it, but not a big deal. I'll buy one secondary if I want one. Thanks. Great. Smooth mint. They wrote back to me, DM me on private and we uh, chatted and they asked about like, what did you like about it? Anything we could do to make it better? And I was like, whoa, this kind of communication yeah. was cool. Yeah. I mean, there was nothing they could fix. I guess I just have to be faster internet. Yeah. I mean, th- but that's and that's where I think where people get ex- excited about projects and where for me, you know, my fatigue in some of the the NFTs, you know, that are coming up is that I don't see that, you know, I don't see not to say the developer engagement, but like, what is the roadmap? 
You know, if, is your engagement in your community, hey, we want to just build a community and we want to have online poker tournaments and we want to have different game nights and we're going to help you get whitelists. Nothing wrong with that, but that's not what I'm looking for. And so that's not a lot of value to me. Uh, if the art's really cool, maybe. But, you know, again, like that's not where I want to put my money. And for me, as someone in this market, I try to balance of as a creative and as an art fan, I want to support that. But I also want to make a return on my money and I want to be able to make smart decisions for the long term. And that's where I think fatigue comes from for people like there's only so many projects you can buy into. Uh, I agree. Like Mr. Brown, I just like the art. I think that's one of the one of those NFTs that it actually has an original art that doesn't have a derivative of someone that I have at least seen. And that's cool. I was like, okay, I can get on board with that for an artistic. And I think in Neerton, I'm going to try to get one of those at Mint, but I don't think I will. And I'm going to have to buy one secondary and who knows what those are going to cost. Right, right, right. Yeah. I'm going to be like, buy a house. <laughs> it'll be, it'll cost more than my current house. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I mean, that, that, that's where, you know, that's where when you tell people who are not in the space, it just sounds completely bonkers. But yeah, totally. I'm like, no, you guys understand. I'm buying a house. It's an NFT and it's going to have a DeFi gaming system where I can then stake my NFTs. And since I have a couple of them, right. Then they're going to give me, <laughs> right, yeah. that's no. where, that's where, uh, you know, yeah. Friends definitely jump off. Yeah, no, absolutely. But I, to me though, so I think these are all though really interesting parts of like this whole NFT movement of can things keep bringing value? And one of the pieces where I say the art stuff is interesting too, is because, you know, I see a lot of complaints online a lot of stories coming out in news outlets of anti-nft like oh you don't really even own it and things like that that's not exactly true you know especially i've seen on near a lot of projects have come out where you actually have the right to what you have minted where you can actually do whatever you want with that picture you know whether it's sell t-shirts or create whatever you want so it's to me, the, the thing that keeps coming up is not about like, you know, some NFTs are not really worth or whatever else. It's like understanding what you're really buying into. And yeah, there are some NFTs that are probably long term, not a good spend, I guess, the use of your money because you don't you don't really own anything. It's really just a picture. There's no real utility. Sure, that's pure speculation and you're buying, you know, a digital picture and that's it. But I think there's a lot that are really out there that we have the opportunity to do different things, you know, and that's, to me, again, the more interesting piece of all of this of like, you know, what can I do with what I bought into? Agree. And yeah, so there's near knots. They're doing this like astrogen. What is that? Uh, I've been seeing they've been posting on it. There's a couple of videos of them going through it. So it's like the Skelly's platform that, you know, so Skelly's built Utopia. Utopia is just a launch pad. And so Astrogen is a launch pad too. Uh, same concept. Uh, Near Knot's thing with Astrogen, their claim is that essentially you you upload the artwork, you upload the metadata, and you're off. And that's it. They, they do everything else for you. Uh, which, if you are a creative type, uh, that is huge because I, you know, I don't know what the, like, if it's a revenue split or a cost, I don't know those numbers. I don't know if they've released that, but again, I mean, 
be able to do that on a platform and to just focus on like what you do best, it allows more people to come into the market. And so again, and they are returning, I think something like 50% of the revenue back to the near not holders. So that's a cool concept, especially over five years, 10 years, it could, yep. if NFTs keep going and of course they'll keep refining and then projects will launch, I guess maybe less or more and more. I don't right. know. But kicking back to your original NFT holders is cool. Yeah. And, and they're another one that, again, you know, uh, huge on communication. You know, they have a really good community. Um, you know, they have really listened to feedback and they have really worked on developing a kind of mini ecosystem for themselves and they collaborate with other projects. And so, yeah, like buying into that one makes sense. You know, and so those are the type of things that I think people need to watch out for. Of like, that's a good, those are good things to jump into. Most of the mints I've had on Nier, I mean, the first last few months, not enough people really to test the system. They were all smooth. The few that I haven't gotten in were still smooth, but even if I didn't get them, it was just amount of people. Sure. What happened with Metamon? Yeah. So Metamon was a really interesting one. It's the first one I've heard on Nier that really went sideways. Uh, yeah, um, you know, so Metamon is a, a gaming platform. And so what you were buying is you're buying essentially like an in-game type of, you know, NFT pack. And what so they offered a lot like first off, it was a huge supply. It was like 11,000 NFTs. And, you know, and again, I guess if you're part of the game and you're playing the game, it's probably worth it. I don't I don't know much about the game itself, per se. But the Mint was really interesting in the sense that like. There was an issue with the smart contract where people were going through the transaction was, you know, failing. And I'm going to put like failing in giant air quotes in the sense that like it would return maybe an error message or whatever else. But it was still taking the money. It was still taking the near. And there was no um, actual like transaction truly happening. Uh, I will give credit in the sense that Metamon did refund all of the money. So it was not a rug. It was not something where like they were just trying to pull one, but it shows one, how hard some of the stuff is that to be successful and to do it smoothly is not always the easiest thing. And two, it's like, you know, I don't know where it went wrong in the smart contract and where all these failures went from, but they upset a lot of people. They confused a lot of people. They also didn't respond. They had one response where they kind of were negative to people. They, they they were. They were, you know. I mean, yeah, they did the right thing and refunded everybody. But, like, they, it took a good probably 24 hours before they really clarified their message and got it out there that, you know, hey, this is what happened. We made a mistake and we we're going to refund everybody. There were some really, really upset people. And that hurts the larger community, you know. Uh, if you have a lot of people who are over there to play this game and are here on the near platform because of this, and this is their maybe first experience, eh, that's not a great one, you know? Agree. Um, I didn't mint it. It also reminds me that I need to mint from a burner wallet because when you mint, you're opening your wallet up and these things can go sideways. And we just haven't had a a hack or something yet happened, but that's just, I think a matter of time. Yeah. I mean, and even if it's not a hack, it just, you know, uh, rogue 
code, right? Like someone just makes a mistake, you know, like it's, it's still humans writing the code for these smart contracts, you know? Yeah. Like they're, they're automatic and they, they can, they function on their own once they're deployed, but you know, to, to get to that point, somebody actually has to do that work. And that's, that is great advice to say that, you know, anytime you're, you should have a separate like NFT wallet, if nothing else, that you are putting in just what you need to mint that day, you know, and, you know, make your transaction and that's it. And, you know, keep your main holdings uh, in a separate wallet. Very good advice. I remember the early days of YouTube and creators on that platform who kind of jumped to the top, who was around, who's not around 15 years later. You, you know, I've watched all this. NFTs have a similar vibe where there's certain like leaders, but it still takes that same sort of content creation upkeep, right? Like you mint a project, then you're not done. You got to start developing it. And I like that about this because it's a new form of creators. Yes. And it, and, and now that I've gotten into the NFT space, it, my mind is starting to like wrap around it. And I'm like, okay, so you've got creative, but then you've got utility and then you've got community. Mm-hmm. Where do you think this goes in five years? Like in the future, would it be bananas for anybody not to do an NFT, right? Like in the future, any creative content maker will be like, yeah, you start with an NFT, then you start a YouTube channel because without your NFT, you don't own it, you know, or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, the, the order of events, I think might vary depending on things, but you know, th- this brings me back to, you know, growing up you know younger where like there were so many different uh fan groups for like bands right and you know you'd sign up you'd pay um, like a yearly fee to be like a, a member of their fan club and they would maybe send you like you know some free music a poster maybe you got like a t-shirt you know and then maybe like early access to buy tickets that was always the big thing right of like you know, if you would like to go to live shows, being a part of like the fan group allowed you to buy tickets early. And so that's where like the NFTs really step in of like, oh, you own the NFT for this band's fan group. You know, you now have access to buy tickets early when they come to town. You can do this and that. And then to be able to then sell that stake in it, because maybe it allows for something bigger. Maybe it's something like, uh, you know, uh, people who have, have a certain NFT for that band, they get into free every show, you know? So that's worth something. Oh, I can't go anymore. You know, like whenever I'm sick of the band, I can sell off my pass. And so that kind of value is, is really interesting for creatives. So for bands, for artists, you know, I think if you are someone who wants to do any kind of medium, but whether it's some kind of fine artist like that, Thinking about how you can maybe include NFTs as a way to sustain yourself, to actually focus on your art, to no longer be in that starving artist model uh, is really interesting. I don't know what the answer is yeah. yet necessarily, but I feel like there's something there that you could probably work to. Yeah, totally. And here's what I've been thinking. I'm going to run with this. You stick with me and let me know if it makes sure. sense, Joe. Okay. So where I think NFTs could go. So currently right now, the NFT examples of getting into a concert, all that stuff really makes sense to me. Yeah. And the next step is how can an NFT, how can I get revenue or profits, a new economy creating for Taylor Swift, for example, mm-hmm. 
say the first album you heard of Taylor Swift, she she launched an NFT. You're like, oh, I totally dig this singer's music. You buy an NFT. And every part of that NFT is you get a little bit of a percentage of all the profits over the artist's career. Now Taylor Swift, 10 years later, global phenomenon. And now you're you're actually making a percentage of her because you believed when she was less known. Sure. So this is where my what I've been thinking about. So now the future of value is shifting. So right now, Taylor Swift makes hundreds of millions, if not, what, a billion dollars? Her fans make zero. But the only reason Taylor Swift makes all that money is because of the value of her fans. Mm -hmm. This transition, this translates into Facebook. Why is Facebook worth a lot? Because of all of the users' data. Individually, a user, it's hard to figure out their value. But collectively, that is all Facebook is. Mm. That's what all these like digital uh, marketing get everyone's personas, target their personas with ads. Yeah. The value is the people. So it's kind of like there's this digital mine and we are the gold, but we haven't been able to value that yet. Right. So all these companies, Facebook and large companies have figured out like, okay, look at, look at our numbers. Look at a podcast. Look at Spotify, Joe Rogan, hundred million dollars. Why? His fans. Right. So the value isn't so much Joe Rogan, it's the fans. Sure. So NFTs can start to pivot and value transfer to fans. Like I have value being a fan. Why should I not get paid for that? The only reason Joe Rogan or Taylor right. Swift, the reason she's so famous is because of all of her fans. Absolutely. The collective of her fans. So if you have NFTs, you now give value to people and you can make it as small as you need to be. You can accurately value it. So... For instance, Taylor Swift, say she has 10 million fans that are just diehards. Right, right. They could collectively get like, even if it was a couple hundred bucks a year from all of her success, or you take that over any industry, like Facebook, it's worth so much money. What if you were a Facebook NFT and you get a percentage of their profits? Because that's the value of Facebook. Without users, Facebook's nothing. Without users, Twitter's nothing. Let's start valuing the individual. And I think NFTs open that up. I'm talking in the future, right? Like, no, I was just, yeah, right. Cause then why would I, like, I, I wonder if in 20 years from now, people will be like, wait, you would go on a website, you would give them all your data, you would get nothing in return, and they would make hundreds of billions of dollars, take that money, give it to shareholders. What did you get? You were the right. product. Right. That's what I'm wondering. I don't know. Should we keep that? Did that make sense? Is that super weird? No, it, I mean, it's really smart. I mean, so, and I think, what you said was great of like it's it's early on right like you can't do taylor swift today right it has to be T taylor swift at the beginning right? correct so yeah i mean again it's it's investing in a creative and allowing them to focus on that and grow and it's almost like a, like you're buying a grant into them right like okay i'm gonna we're gonna as a collective community we're gonna front you this here's some stuff to go yeah. on and hopefully we get a return and if we don't hey hopefully i supported some cool art that i liked in whatever form Exactly. The media company thing, I think, is really interesting, too, because, again, if they're making all of their money off of you as the user and not everybody can buy into stocks because the answer sometimes becomes, well, well, you can buy into the stock, right? The public company. Buy. But that's that's not a great answer because because that is uh, rich people for a lot of people. Right. <laughs> yeah. Most stocks go to the top five percent of wealth anyway. Yeah. So we're talking nine or 10 percent. Let's say 90 percent of people. Right. But if I had an NFT that could connect to my usage on the thing and I could kick and I, I can get kickback of what I have done and what they have made off of me, similar to what actually Spotify does with their music, 
they actually use they use the blockchain you know they have their own thing and they that's how they track artist plays and everything you could do the same thing now on other platforms where yes facebook would still be free they could still have you know amazing revenue but now as the user it probably feels you know maybe a hair less icky all the time when i see all of these different ads and everything yeah but what if blockchain what if facebook was like okay here are all the demographics. There's like so many touch points. I'm a male. I'm this age. I'm in this zip code. I've have this. I mean, I'm getting tracked so heavily by right. everything on the web right now. Right. If I had the option to share what I wanted to and get money for it. So like, okay, here's 100 qualities. I will share all 100 qualities. And every time an ad comes to me, yeah, Facebook gets money or whatever the Facebook of the future is going to be. But I get a percentage of that, too, because they're advertising. You're making money off of my data. So kick it back. Kick it back a little bit. Right. Like it's basically I've been working for free in a mine and giving these media companies all my data for free. They've been making a ton of money off of it. It's time to kick it back. And now we are can. I think the future of NFTs is that that starts to allow for that tracking. And that's in the important piece here, too. For people who maybe say, well, why can't you just put this in like a regular database? Why can't you just do this today? It's because the blockchain, you know, is fully transparent, right? There, you know, every trend. So as soon as you have to then publish it like that, you you open up, you know, again, all of that stuff of what is really happening on this platform. It really changes the whole perspective of what a social media company is, what how your data is being used, and nobody can mess with it because it is transparent to all. Yeah, and so that's that is really interesting for me. The NFTs I'm most interested in is like, hey, how can I get a give me a little taste? You know what I mean? Like, if I, I'll be your super fan. Yeah. Hey, secret Scully Society, I'm yeah, in. Yeah, yeah. I'll tweet. I'll retweet some stuff. I'll get. I'll get you some hype. Exactly. But you now in five years from now, you're like Utopia is the go to launch and you're making bank and it's the Dow's doing great. I hope I'm part of that because I'm here. Right. I am doing marketing for right. you. Exactly. And I'm taking huge risk and I put money. I mean, I, it wasn't a lot of money, but I mean, it's right. But it's something. It's, yeah. And that's and that is really, again, where it's important to recognize, too, that, yes, Maybe it was not a huge individual investment, but they had enough of those people, right? Enough people putting that in together. And then on top of that, again, they're always making revenue in every resale as well. And that is the thing about NFTs is that there is a, you know, a kickback for every resale as well. So they're continuing to make money and continuing to hopefully sustain themselves to a point where maybe they need zero or minimal outside capital. And that as a entrepreneur is extraordinarily interesting. 100%. Because right now, the, the thing that I hope happens with blockchain, crypto, NFTs is the decentralization of profits. Like mm. right now, a very few venture capitalists who yeah. have a ton of money, they get to play this game and you've got to have at least a million dollars net worth. And then you get to play the venture capitalist game. You drop 25 grand at early stage investing on 100 companies and then most likely one hits. Right. You make a billion dollars. Right. We don't need billionaires. I want 4,200 people putting in money in a bunch of different projects. And then instead of one billionaire, I want 4,200 millionaires. Like that's how I want 
the future to be. Absolutely. And that's what I, I mean, this is me getting a little bit philosophical here, but I, this is what I'm geeking into lately is like, I hope this is what happens. Yeah, I agree. I mean, but that is such an important point with NFTs that I think is really getting lost. You know, there is so many news articles the past couple of weeks that have come out that are like anti NFT. And, you know, it's a it's another way to trap people in poverty and all this other stuff. And look, I, I will be the first one to tell you there are a lot of horrible projects on the on here on the, some of these different chains. There are some things that are a complete waste of money. There are cash grabs. There are scams. There are all of that things. But I'll tell you what, if you don't think that happens in the real world, yeah. you have not lived enough and you need to get out there. Like it's everywhere all the time. So it's the same thing when you do things in the outside world, in the real life of you need to make smart decisions. You need to get informed. You need to do your own research, really do your own research, not just Google something really quickly, not just read something on Facebook or in Discord, actually research something, understand what you're buying into and do that. And you're right. It does change the whole economics of it where venture capitalists are throwing, you know, a half a billion dollars at 100 different projects. And because hopefully one of them hits, you know, so like one out of 100 has to hit for them and they make their money back and then some. Well, you can now almost do that at the lower level where I can spend a thousand dollars. Yes. And maybe make a hit on one or two and make back 10, 20,000. Like that's, that is so different. That changes the whole model of what it is to actually invest in modern times. Exactly. Cause it could bring back the middle class, but I'm getting really heady on this. So right now you've got Amazon and you've got the whole sort of baby boomer capitalist generation. They're saying, Oh, this is a scam. Um, working for McDonald's was a scam. <laughs> Working for Amazon was a scam. You're telling me Jeff Bezos has 200 billion, but he has people through the last 20 years. No AC. That was the beginning days a few years ago. Now people peeing in diapers. That what? what, That's a scam to me. And the worst thing about those is they're taking people's time, which I would consider is the most valuable asset a person has, paying them not what they're worth, extracting the value of them. And then so Jeff Bezos has and his shareholders. Great. If you held Amazon the last decade, you are doing stellar. You know what I mean? But sadly, most people didn't get to hold Amazon. And I'll tell you something. The workers barely had a chance to. I mean, yeah, there's the corporate workers that are running departments. Yeah, they got to. But the but what I would call the the whole actual the majority doer class. Yeah, yeah, they didn't get to. So to me, it's like that's a scam. So could you. okay? you work at Amazon. Cool. You get a job as a, uh, a in a warehouse. Okay. Here's a bit of an, here's an NFT. You get an NFT when you're hired and now you get a percentage, even if it's small of all of your work of all of Amazon's profits, because it's so hard to value a collective. And we, we, we put this like Jeff Bezos is a genius. Elon Musk is a genius. They might be, but without the geniuses that they all work with their entire companies, nothing would get done. And so it's been a really, and I would say the, the last 50 years, it's all so heavy to the top 5%. Yeah. And it's just stripping away everybody. And it's, I, I don't know, it just looks so bad. And I think this could maybe make for a better world. Yeah, I mean, there are so many opportunities if people, you know, if you really want to try to understand, really want to try to get creative with this technology, you know. So, again, put aside 
put aside the profile picture thing. Okay. Like, yes, I, I get it. Like a lot of those are just cheap. You're throwing your money out. Sure. You, you know, right click and save it to your computer. Great. Cool. But like the stuff that I think is so important, it really is that there is opportunity here to allow for transparent tracking and a connection, a real world connection to, again, to a number and to assets and to information that maybe changes the, the dynamic, you know? And so instead of, all right, so you want to be anti-union? Okay, well, fine. Well, what if all of the floor workers had a DAO and they could then vote on stuff? And so, right? So like now, I don't know. I don't get, I don't know the answers that I don't work in the labor field. I don't know what that's like, but I'm just saying there are opportunities here to start changing the dynamics of these things where I don't want to keep hearing someone got paid a hundred million dollar bonus, but they laid off 2000 people or they complain that nobody wants to work. Well, it's like, well, well why would I want to work for you? You know? Yeah. So give me opportunity, not just stock shares, because we've seen that that market is manipulated. Crazy, crazy. Yeah. So <laughs> give me something that is tangible that allows me to, you know, feel like I am truly part of this company. And it doesn't always just have to be straight cash. Cash is very important. People getting paid enough is very important, but it also needs to feel like I, I have a voice in this company or in what I do every day. You know, it's not hard to allow people to feel human. And this maybe can, you know, allow for some of that. Yeah, man. NFTs. Speaking of the growing popularity of the near protocol ecosystem, there's also Aurora and Aurora is the EVM. And uh, for the longest time had zero fees or rather they paid the fees, but they were so small that it was like nominal. But this last week, a yield farming game or a farming game, I didn't play it, but it's called Moonflower Farmers. Had so many people that it completely filled up their shard. And then they actually started charging just a, a small fee to use Aurora. Yeah. And there was some backlash. They gave very little notice, a few hours. But then the CEO did, I, I think they handled the communication aspect really well. They did everything they could to communicate this. What do you think happened there? Yeah. So the, so this is really interesting. So um, Moonflower Farmers, like you said, it really is a, it's a very simple 8-bit game that is on the it's part of the near network but it's on the aurora uh evm so again uh it's really it was it could run on it runs on ethereum essentially that's you know um but aurora what aurora is doing is all the transactions are happening actually on near because it's faster it's cheaper all of those things so the code and everything else that was built uh is ethereum compatible and it's running that way so it's ethereum but run on near yeah so the the contract is written in a, in the ethereum virtual machine okay so the, the all the contracts that are built into the game are all run on there but the actual transactions that have to happen across the game are not happening in ethereum they're happening on near and aurora is doing that that translation essentially okay. so they were also pretty much essentially eating the gas costs. So, you know, I, I think like in this one, probably we, we should, we probably could have corrected early on too in some of our earlier shows. Like when we say like, there's no gas to like near, like there is always gas. Like there is always a gas fee. 
it is just so negligible. It, it is so small that we're talking about like a one millionth of a decimal point, you know, of gas. Like that's what we're talking about. Like, and so they were a lot of times, Aurora was essentially just kind of eating that, that gas fee because it was, it was so negligible and it was more about let's just continue to kind of grow the community. Well, now there were so many people who came over this game. The game was so popular that it was congesting the network. And how do you decongest a network on a blockchain? Gas fees, <laughs> like transaction fees and like that, because there has to be like anything there's there's validators and validator you know you, you as soon as you not, now need more validators and you need more people you know more systems involved you know that that fee has to go someplace you have to have priority prioritization across those transactions so now they said okay we're going to have a small fee attached to this and that's that's just a messaging thing right again cuz Everyone felt like there was zero gas and now there is gas, which wasn't exactly true. You just weren't you as the player were not get, being charged any gas. And then the second part of that is that like, well, what does that number really mean? Because that is the other side of it is I think people got upset because they don't understand what gas really means all the time. There are people who certainly do who play the game, but probably a lot of them don't really fully understand that concept. And so you know, yeah, I think the Aurora CEO did a great job of coming out and really laying it down of like, this is what happened. Here's how we're addressing it. And like, let's, you know, let's fix it and, and move on and be better in the long run. I still sometimes relate things to Web 2.0. Like I never even think about transaction fees when I'm, you know, running around the web. That For every tweet I send, I don't need to pay a gas fee, even if it was nominal, you know. What is Aurora or Nier going to do? when we get a mass volume of people, like we're still early, like this was a, a first time and I would like to see the numbers. And also what about when spamming bots come in? And I think that's, he mentioned that, that spamming bots can come in and use up gas fees when they're so cheap and just yep. spam the heck out of things. Yeah. So, well, th th this is where near as a protocol is really interesting. I think this is what, what makes us, you know, kind of very bullish on their long-term thing is that they are really trying to approach the scaling piece by not using gas like, like they're not using that as the crutch to grow they're saying let's let, let's really think about this and that's where the sharding comes in and you know how they delegate you know different validators and all of that different those different components they also though have a lot of stuff around um, bot protection as well like they have natively built into their platform better ways to support or i guess to block bots as best as possible and to minimize, you know, uh, DDoS attacks and things like that. And so that all that stuff is being really well thought out where the concept now is when that happens, like on Ethereum, you have a gas war and essentially you, you have a gas price auction and the gas costs go up and up and up. And now you're paying maybe $30 for a transaction because of that, because of that network congestion, because there's nowhere else that transaction to go you have to if you want any kind of if you want it to happen anytime soon you got to pay more for it yeah so that's where i think near going a little bit different route about that you know and again like I, I think so the ceo of aurora alex he did a really nice job of kind of breaking that down and clarifying the difference here and that's everyone 
I shouldn't say everyone, but you know, most people have the mental model of Ethereum in their head of how a blockchain works and how transactions work. And I think he did a nice job of saying, though, look, we're doing things on near. And so like there, there is no insight really into what the gas fees really are on near. It's so negligible. You know, the price change, the action, the actual cost of gas on near is really is it's abstracted away from the platform, especially on Aurora, that, you know, because we're doing this translation, you know, it's just not there. And so it's really, again, important to continue to keep messaging to people of like, look, this is different of what you think. And, you know, we're, we're going to help. We're all learning here. We're all going to help you work through this. But uh, yeah, I mean, it definitely caused confusion, you know, for people initially. Yeah, it did seem like people got a bit upset, but they handled it well. And it it reinforces how early this space still is. Like if a hundred million people all of a sudden came onto near, it would just not be good. So I, I think the slower building of these things are ideal. And this year is going to be very interesting once ethereum does its 2.0 and has i don't know exactly how they're gonna have that all set up but that'll be big and if near can do the full sharding that they want to create i think it's just going to be a really neat time to see how these can all grow and how they all start working and the kinks and stuff so we'll see absolutely all right joe well that i think wraps this episode up a bit of the nft philosophy and um yeah aurora we'll see what happens with the gas wars and uh, hopefully more people keep coming on and forcing the teams to look at what happens when the adoption gets so popular and people are like yeah let's start using that absolutely talk to you next time. yeah talk to you next week. i think i'm gonna go look at some more mr browns and see if there's some uh, rarity swipes nice. i can get there you go <laughs> all right man i'll see you. talk to you soon Ready Layer One is provided for educational, informational, and entertainment purposes only, without any express or implied warranty of any kind, including warranties of accuracy, completeness, or fitness for any particular purpose. Or otherwise, based on any of the information presented in this podcast, without undertaking independent due diligence and consultant and consultation with a professional broker or financial advisory. 